Welcome to a very special edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series. On this edition, we had the pleasure of interviewing legendary drummer Jack Dijonette. At age 72, he is still going strong in the world of music and jazz. He was very open about his life and music with us. He talked about starting out on the piano as a boy in Chicago, then moving on to the drums and onto the stage with bebop legends like Miles Davis and Thelonious Monk. Along the way, he had a wise arsenal of stories and insight about a life of music that has treated him well, and he's done the same for his fan base with countless albums and songs of quality. Dig it, my friends. The first question I want to ask you, I know you're a busy man on a regular basis. You have a lot of projects going on. But I want to ask you first and foremost, talk to me a little bit about your album Special Edition and your work with the trio of Ravi Coltrane and Matthew Garrison. Yeah, I mean, the Special Edition, that was, a, that was released actually by Manfred Arco, ECDM. Uh, it's, it's a collection of uh, different uh, uh, personnel of Special Edition, I think, And, and the one thing that I wanted to know about the trio, you know, you, you play with John Coltrane to play with Ravi and, and Matthew. What What is that like? It's part of the tradition. It's also part of now. So it's about uh, all of that connected and moving forward. You know, Matthew's uh, instrument is uh, electric bass and, and electronics, so uh, that adds a contemporary aspect to the group. Robbie, he's worked with me in other uh, situations in the Jack Dijonet group sometimes. Um, and we've worked together with his brother Alice, along with Charlie Hayden. So, uh, and, you know, um, having known the, their parents and then watching them develop, uh, it just seemed a natural thing to do. We, we got together about 20 years ago at the music. Brooklyn Museum of Art and played uh, a concert. Okay. It was mostly a lot of John John Coltrane's music, but uh, you know the emphasis is on you know uh, coming out of the tradition. Some of Coltrane's things, some of our 
So I'm going to go back to the beginning of, of your life here in Chicago. You started playing the piano at four, then you played the drums at 14. Why did it take you so long to get to that instrument of the drums? Yeah, it was later than 14. I didn't start playing them then, right? Later, later, maybe a few years later. Um, well, it wasn't a question of taking so long. It's just a matter of when I got interested in them. You know, it, uh, you know I started playing them in, uh, in CBS High School, uh, playing in the marching band and concert band. So, is your first real love the piano? What was that first live experience in front of a big crowd like for you? Were you nervous? Did it seem natural? What What was going through your head? So during the mid-1960s, you were in the Chicago jazz scene. You were really kind of getting involved with it. What was that scene like? How much did you grow by being a part of that that scene at the time? Well, you know, Chicago, next to New York, was one of the premier uh, places for uh, music. And a lot of guys from New York came through Chicago and also from St. Louis and uh, from the South. And it was the sort of stop-off point, halfway point, for people who were on their way to New York. At that time, there were lots of uh, clubs to play in, and, uh, you know, there were jam sessions, and, uh, you know, I was playing all over the place. I played uh, uh, cocktail bars, I played clubs, I played dances. And so there was, uh, there was a lot of um, availability of all kinds of music that one could uh, participate in. I mean, uh, Joe Siegel had the jazz show, showcase, and uh, he, uh, he had things going on at the Southern Lounge. You know, his, his venues have moved around Chicago over the last 50 years, but... Uh, you know, he was uh, 
In 1968, when you joined Miles Davis's group, was that a huge leap for you musically as far as your growth and, and where you were going to go? learn from being in bands and gigging with people like Miles Davis and Thelonious Monk and Sonny Rollins, what did they teach you when you were on stage about how to play and how to approach a gig? Well, just be, pre- be prepared to play what you don't know, you know. <laughs> Yeah. 
it, it always seems to me as though you're experimenting and reaching for new levels of jazz each and every project you get into. Is that a pretty accurate representation of, of what you do as a musician? It's not just jazz, you know. It's like, on my website, it's, it's experimental, it's world music. Uh, jazz is a part of that, but it's, it's pretty broad. Leading the uh, touring quartet of you, uh, Mr. Holland, Mr. Herbie Hancock, and Pat Metheny on Parallel Realities, what was that like? What, w- what was recording with those guys like? Well, it was great. I mean, you know, Pat Pat's really was very helpful in that we co-produced the, that album with it, and then uh, we consequently were able to uh, do a world tour with the addition of uh, Dave Holland on the acoustic bass. So that was incredible, you know, that was an incredible uh, combination. And, uh, you know, Pat and I, you know, he's a great producer, so he he helped very much in that production and helped write some compositions. Uh, and when we toured, um, you know, the addition of Dave Allen just expanded it even more. So uh, we were able to perform quite a few of those pieces live. Right. Um, yeah, that was a very exciting, exciting uh, group, and uh, uh, you know, everybody was on fire every night, so it's like a really, really uh, constant, uh, intense high all the time. Cool. So you've been involved in a lot of different levels of, of making music. The Native American culture, what inspired you about that culture to make that music? There is Native blood in, in, my, uh, in my family, mm-hmm. but uh, what, uh, I was always interested. We were always interested in, in that. My wife, Lydia, and I was more, uh sort of in a B&B at a lake, and we looked up in the uh, sky, and there was a, uh, a cloud in the form of a 
and, and as I mentioned about all the genres you've been involved with, you know, jazz, Latin, fusion, Native American, what do you really levitate more towards? What what kinds of, what really gets you going these days? What genre do you like the most? It doesn't matter, man, as long as it's great. You know, as long as it, 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 it speaks to me. If it speaks to me, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I resonate with it, then I'm in. Right on. Is there a difference between the way you approach the stage today versus the way you did when you started out playing on the proverbial stage? No, actually, I'm just more relaxed, you know, more comfortable with myself cool. playing. You know? Do you like being famous? Do you like being a well-known musician and being recognized out in the world? Yeah, I'm comfortable with it. I don't let it uh, uh, go to my head. I mean, you know, I'm old. I'm 72 years old, so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm grateful that people appreciate what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I have to keep growing and changing, so I'm not resting on my laurels. I still have lots of things to do. So when you wake up every day, what's the greatest part of being you? <laughs> Just being happy I'm still here. <laughs> What do you try to teach the musicians you play with, with all of your wisdom and the journeys you've been down and the incredible music you've made? What do you try to give to these musicians? Well, you know, I get musicians who can think for themselves, and I get where well, I get trust, you know, and inspire them to uh, reach reach beyond what they normally would be reached. Reach, and in turn, I get inspired by their. musician has taught you the most about music? Over the years, you've played with legends, you've played with every kind of person. What musician really pops out in your head that really taught you the most, not only about being a musician, but about living this life? Oh, that's Mohawk Richard Abrams. What, what was it that he taught you? Well, he just taught you that there were no limitations. You know, like, like if you apply yourself, you can, uh, you can do anything. Moore's example of that, he taught himself how to uh, compose, write for orchestra, uh, play the clarinet, and uh, other instruments. And, uh, you know, he did that by going to the library and getting information. Yeah. And uh, he was inspirational. You know, he did it without having to spend thousands of dollars <laughs> <laughs> in schools to do that. You know, he just said, you know, on the library at that time, you could just get the information, and that's what he did. No, he just, he's very wide open, he's not, not into any <clears throat> compartmentalization of music, and I think sometimes um, uh, the term free jazz gets <coughs> used uh, mistakenly, you know, Yeah. In, in music that doesn't have chord changes. 
sometimes considered free, but it's not necessarily. I mean, it's just musicians who have learned the rules and then broke those rules and then applied those to improvisation are you know, spontaneous composers. And, uh, and you can say the word free or predisposed to uh, compose, uh, you know, written architecture or with, uh, uh, you know, uh, composing in the, on the spare of the moment. Of all the musicians you played with over the years, is there anybody that's not with us anymore that you miss? Or is there somebody that you really wanted to play with and haven't played with yet? Uh, well, you know, I miss Miles, but, uh, well, I, didn't play. I think I played with most everybody. Mm-hmm. All the legends, you know. So, uh, you know, my association with Keith Jarrett was, you know, was really still making great music. So your first answer was Miles. What was it about Miles? What, what do you miss about performing with him? What was it like being on stage with somebody that was such a force in music? Oh, it was incredible. You know, but also being on stage with people like, uh, you know, with Herbie and, and Ron and Wayne, but also Chick Corea and Dave Holland. You know, I mean, everybody was up to his level, you know, and he raised his level, so, you know, and, and trusted, you know, Miles just taught you how to be focused when you play, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the way he, that's the way he was. You perform to thousands and thousands of fans. What's the nicest thing that a fan has ever said to you? Oh, well, they said, listen, you know, I, I, I don't know much about jazz. I don't know what they get, what that was, but... I really liked it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, without labeling it, that that was great. I liked that. So at seventy-two years of age, you've seen a lot in this world. You've been around for a long time, and for a fan, I find longevity to be as alluring as the quality of music that comes out. What has been the key to your longevity? Well, you know, I just love what I do. You know, I get, I get, uh, I get inspiration and energy from. If people like John Coltrane, Miles Davis, uh, Thelonious Monk, if they were still around today, what kind of music do you think they would be making? I wouldn't even go there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard, you know. I mean, that's just, you know, with the stuff that they left here, there's still so much in there. <laughs> yeah. To be learned from that, you know. Yeah. done so many incredible things in your career what's left to accomplish what do you is there anything that specifically or in an ambiguous sense that you want to accomplish well just to improve my, uh, my playing my, my piano playing my reading and my technique harmony and 
So fans, critics, and people all over the place say you're one of the greatest drummers to ever grace jazz and music in general. What do you say to that? How do you feel about that? I said thank you. That's a beautiful spot for us to, to end there because I want to thank you, Jack, for your time today. That's all I have. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the USA, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to the legendary Jack Dijonet for his time, wisdom, and graciousness. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.